Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is our review of On the Basis of Sex. I am Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this week, this episode, uh, this was originally coming to a theater near you this weekend, um, but it has been pushed back um, to sometime next month. Uh, but we were able to see it at a thing where SF Film, um, uh, they have a little thing called SF Film Honors, and they were sort of featuring this film, and uh, we were able to catch it. And uh, as we are here this week, front-loading a bunch of episodes for the coming weeks, we figured we would do this review now, and then uh, sometime around the time you hear this, it will be only a few short weeks away, yep. <laughs> and you will be able to see it soon. Um so yeah, it is. Uh, this is the fifth review we've recorded tonight, mm-hmm. or we are recording tonight. Um, Getting a little loopy. We're still not in Tribeca territory, at least time-wise, because it's not like three in the morning or yeah, four yeah, in the morning. Yeah. Uh, we haven't been out all day trying to do stuff, uh, but we have been here all night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we're just going to dive into this review. Um, I'm not going to say we're trying to finish by midnight. <laughs> It sure would be nice, though. But uh, we're, we're going to do our thing. We're not going to rush it, um, but we'll see if we make it. Um, Fun fact, though, On the Basis of Sex is the original name of the song in the name of love. <laughs> it's the nerd version of In the Name of Love. <laughs> Are we leaving that in? I don't know. <laughs> you have... Three weeks to let me know before I edit it. Keep it. I don't care. Um, But yeah, so we're just going to dive on into this review. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for On the Basis of Sex, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. There are 178 laws that differentiate on the basis of sex. Women can work overtime. We have to get credit cards in our husband's name. We're not allowed to work in This is amazing. You think you can change the country? We should look to her generation. They're taking to the streets. Protests are important, but changing the culture means nothing if the law doesn't change. What did you say your name was? Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I want to be a lawyer. I want to represent clients in pursuit of justice. So they're going to give you a corner office? I wasn't what they were looking for. One said women are too emotional to be lawyers. Another told me a woman graduating top of her class must be a real ball buster. I worked hard, I did everything I was supposed to, and I excelled. Martin Ginsburg will be signing all of our checks someday. (laughs) You're a smart girl, Ruthie. You married a star. If the law differentiates on the basis of sex, then how will women and men ever become equals? I don't read tax court cases. Read this one. The law assumes a caregiver has to be a woman. This is sex-based discrimination against a man. Poor guy. We need to take this case. This is not a case. This is a declaration of war. They could topple the whole damn system of discrimination. They think gender equality is a civil right. What's at stake is the American family. Let's put this idea to bed once and for all. You will lose. And when you do, you will set the woman's movement back 10 years. You don't get to tell me when to quit. I know this case disrupted our lives. Who's it for if not for me? You cannot been ready for this your whole life. So go in there and let the judges see the Ruth Ginsburg I know. 
We're not asking you to change the country. That's already happened without any court's permission. The word woman does not appear even once in the U.S. Constitution. Nor does the word freedom. Your Honor. All right, so that was the trailer for On the Basis of Sex. It is the story of uh, the case that was argued by Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her husband about a uh, tax law case in which the tax law discriminated against a man on the basis of sex. And uh, it's sort of her and her husband working together to try to overturn this court ruling in this tax court and uh, sort of showing who uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was and sort of leading to (laughs) what we know of her today. Uh, Hopefully that was a good summation of this film. Yep. Stephen Miller, what did you think of this film? Okay, so there's a term that's been going around. I don't remember when I first heard it, maybe like a few weeks ago, where they referred to certain podcasts as, quote, liberal Doritos, meaning there were things that, like, for liberals, it was, like, junk food, and it made you feel good, and maybe it wasn't, like, doing anything great or productive, but it just, like, felt good to consume it, right? This movie is not liberal Doritos. This is, like, liberal an IV drip of lard mixed with Hershey syrup (laughs) being pumped into your veins. Like, this is the most... Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> this is a liberal duck on burrito. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which Chris and I both ate <laughs> right before this 18-hour recording session. Um, but, but no, this is a movie. So heightened by the fact that we saw this in the Castro Theater, you know, with Felicity Jones and Army Hammer and uh, the screenwriter, who is Ruth Bader Ginsburg's nephew, all present, being honored for this movie. It was the most cheer at everything, hoorah, we're going to read subtext about the modern day based on this past story. We're going to idolize Ruth Bader Ginsburg because of all the reasons that she is like currently standing between us and a bunch of terrible possible things that could happen <laughs> to the world if she like falls another time. Um, and, and so this movie, like from the get-go, the, the idea behind this movie, it was clear this is going to be we are going to paint an angelic picture of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We're going to pep everyone up about, you know, these early battles for equality in certain arenas. So, like, we can take that and feel rallied for battles for equality in the current arena, right? That's what it's supposed to do. It's an inspirational message movie that we're all supposed to feel very, very, very good for watching and cheering at. It's just supposed to be that. and it, It's junk food. It's even more junk foody than I expected it to be, I think. Um, because the thing is, usually when there are these kind of stories that are kind of idolizing a real person, they try to throw flaws in there, right? Uh, the Post is like a recent example that is very close to this movie. But Spielberg, at least with Meryl Streep's performance, I feel like you see a little bit of her agony in making decisions. Like you feel a little bit about like how things could have gone one way or another and her motivations may have not been pure, right? She might've been motivated by other things. Um, Theory of everything is another comparison because of (laughs) Felicity Jones. There are some very similar moments in this movie and theory of everything. But what really made theory of everything stand out to me, I was kind of the lone real defender on the podcast. I don't know if I would like it a second time around, but I was charmed by it the first time. And what I liked was Stephen Hawking 
and his wife both get this interesting treatment where they are not purely good and they're not purely bad. They're people who make big relational mistakes. They're people that don't always treat each other perfectly, but they're people that are still good under the hood. And it managed to show that complexity, even while these characters, the people were still alive. And maybe that's just a testament to them that they gave their blessing for like a messy biopic to actually be made. Um, this movie is not messy at all. This movie features the the most perfect relationship <laughs> ever uh, between Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her husband Marty, the most charming Army Hammer of charming Army Hammers, and Army Hammer is always charming, but this, he is just cranking it. I, yeah. I whispered to Joanna when the movie was starting, like, I wonder who the gays in the audience are more excited about, Army Hammer or Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> and I think it's a toss, I think it's a tie, but I think Army wins out in this movie just... <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's Army Hammer. <laughs> he is the perfect supportive husband who is like he has his own life. He's also a successful lawyer, but he is just a constant well of nurturing and support. There's a moment kind of early in this movie where Ruth has had a hard day at Harvard. She's facing obviously a lot of misogyny and sexism, and it's it's a rough place to be. She's one of the first classes, maybe the first class of women to be allowed entrance in Harvard, and she's frustrated and she comes home. And within seconds, he has her in her arms, and they lay down on bed. And I realize, my God, I don't want to watch Ruth Bader Ginsburg have sex. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know. This movie, it, it just hits all the cheesy beats. And it, it is feel-good in the way it does it. Like, Army Hammer is charming. Felicity Jones is charming. The case, I think, is educational right like it's an interesting story to be told even if it's not a particularly nuanced story or anything like that yeah. so it was like pleasing but around like the 20th applause line it it just starts to feel like a little much right and, and this I, movie is a lot of much i think so here's the thing though is do you think if we were not seeing it in that room and this was any normal showing any normal day of of the week that you would have had those same cheers and would you have been able to watch it with its sort of semi-different mindset? I might have been a little more dispassionate, but I don't know that that would help it or hurt it. It could have gone either way, right? Because the communal aspect of being in that theater with everyone cheering for it makes me never veer into like, I am just going to nitpick the hell out of this or I'm just going to crap all over it, right? It makes yeah. me still be in the vaguely rooting for its side because it's like a warm-hearted movie that is trying to do something nice, you know? I don't know if I were watching this just, like, at at the Metreon at, like, 9.30 a.m. or something like that. I don't know how I would feel, right, in a yeah. silent crowd. It could go either way. Maybe I would feel worse about it because it would, like, not have as much compelling stuff to drive me anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Definitely the... The scenario, the scene did not help my feeling that this is overly inspirational and this is like very, very, very like saccharine of a movie. But that was definitely the overwhelming feeling here. So, so I feel, I, I, I feel, I feel the same. But I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. Like I, I so my my way of comparing it to the post would be like I think the post was more swinging for Oscar performances and trying to do everything. I think that uh, on the basis of sex is steering less for that. It is going for the cheers and jeers the way mm -hmm. that like every other film this year has a joke about how nobody would elect a crazy person yeah, yeah, and yeah. things like that. We're like, ha ha, we this get it. This whole movie is deadpanning at the camera. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that is there. Um, 
But I don't think this is trying to be an Oscar Beatty film. It is probably going to... Tra- I think it's trying to get some performance nods, at it, least. It, it wants uh, accolades, right? But it, but it, it, I, I don't think that it is... It is not created in that overly, this is a film we're going to normally drop on December 25th, which it is now. <laughs> but it, 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 it just feels a little bit different than The Post um, in that way. Um, I think I, I, in our review of the post, I believe one of my biggest complaints, um, was that like, I wanted the spotlight version of the post, right? Right. Like show me the journalism. And instead it was like, this guy has the files. Do we want to release the files? Yes. We want to release the files. They're suing us now. End of movie, right? (laughs) This is at least a charismatic story about a couple who love each other, who believe in things, who are working together, as you said, the crazy perfectest husband in the world, um, who's beautiful and... I want like, to marry him and live in that house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, like, so it was, like, I enjoyed watching it the way you would enjoy, like, a guilty pleasure TV show where you're just liking all of the people in it and... You're there for the cheers, right? You're there for the, like, I don't have to do anything. You're already liberated. Like, I can't believe you yelled at that construction man who whistled mm-hmm. at your legs or whatever, right? Like, those moments where, like, people are calling out the misogyny or, um, like, all the gasps when, like, the head of Harvard Law, like, <laughs> makes some asinine statement about how, like, like there there are moments, like, Felicity Jones is comment at that dinner table about like her reason for wanting to go to Harvard jokes like that are there to have fun and and like revel in and and like I I told you uh, I think this morning when we were maybe it was this morning or maybe it was at lunch when we were talking a little bit about the film um that like I think this film is improved by the Q&A that we saw after it because it this isn't technically a biopic it's not a film about the the rise and the creation of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. This is a film whose genesis was the nephew hearing the story about the only case that this couple has ever argued together. And yes, that case is used as a precedent for trying to topple other things moving forward. But like it's really just this moment and it extends far enough back to give context to that moment and then far enough afterwards to give context to now, but it's not like... I, I think in su- in those two extension processes, though, it becomes a traditional biopic in my mind. Because yes. the traditional biopic, you always focus on one seminal event, right? That's usually like what a, quote, good biopic does, is it confines the narrow the window of time and the rest becomes like flashbacks or forwards. I, I, I guess I feel like something about that justification, to me, I accepted. Because mm-hmm. it, it didn't feel like a... I'm trying to capitalize on the time. Um, it felt like a, oh, you were inspired by this conversation that happened. Right. And it just happened to take you four years to make this movie. Mm-hmm. And now happens to be the time <laughs> where it might be relevant. Yeah. Uh, so I, I sort of give it uh, concessions to being a genuine good faith attempt to tell a story within the life of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and not just like how great is this woman type mm-hmm. of story. And and I think that like I enjoyed it enough. I wasn't these like cheering moments were not groan worthy to me or anything like that. It was just a film that like I was like, oh it was it was nice. Yeah. 
Well, and, and it is. It, it's nice. It's just, it, to me, it's very color by the numbers nice, right? Like, there's paint by numbers. I don't even remember yeah, phrases yeah. anymore. Paint by numbers. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Th- th- there's just, for instance, like, when she first enters Harvard, uh, there are two primary figures at Harvard who will recur later to be figures in the government that are arguing against her. Uh, Sam Waterston, who is like the dean of Harvard, and Stephen Root, who is a specific professor at Harvard who pissed off about a stapler or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but both of them, when we are introduced to both of them, there are just moments immediately where they say just the most, this is me, a man who is a misogynist and doesn't understand why women are at Harvard. Like even misogynists have more tact than they yeah. have. <laughs> yeah, like, like Sam Waterston... The the scene that I think is good, right, or reasonably good, still on the nose, but, like, I totally believe this one, is when he has let women in at Harvard and he begins his speech that's supposed to be proud for everyone and he talks about what makes a Harvard man, right? To me, that was the level of, like, all right, I get what you're doing, movie. It's a little and, on the nose, yeah, but yeah. It's on the nose, but this is for sure the way people treated it and they people still use the phrase Harvard man, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I believe that. Then there's a dinner shortly after that <laughs> where he is having the women over with his wife present to show his appreciation for women being there and he, like, goes around and basically parades them to, like, say, tell me why you took this from a well-deserving man that should have had it instead of you. And he just, like, berates them for it. And it's like, yeah. okay, you are not thinly veiling this at all. Steven Root, we get to watch him, like, go down a list of photos just so we can be sure that he isn't calling on Ruth because he's a sexist, right? Like, yeah, yeah. there's just moments like that where it's like, okay, you established your villains, you know, you, you did everything you needed to do in the most extreme way. And I just feel like this is a movie that... Of course, it isn't going for subtlety, but I feel like you can get those inspirational highs in a way that still paints something interesting about the enemy, right? Something interesting about the misunderstandings people have. And what I would have liked to see is less conversations between Ruth and Marty and her daughter, Jane, where they are all affirming the way that the times are changing. And they all believe that, you know, women need equality. And the only thing that they disagree with is, like, the method to get there. Yeah. Like, take a little bit of that away because that's very on the nose, right? Like, we know those themes already. And give me more of, like, the people who are, like, benevolently sexist, quote, right? Like, the people who, like, don't think they're on the wrong side of history but are. And, like, let me hear more of their rationale. Not as, like the evil supervillains with Lex Luthor that are planning their argument that will take Ruth down. And it's like, we're going to say that if they do this, then women win everything, you know? Like, and instead give me something that feels more like, tell me what the times were like, right? Tell me what, like, what did your, what would your parents say? Like, if they're a little more conservative than you, like, I I just would have wanted a little bit more of that, a little bit less of the very overt, like, I, I don't know, idol worship and demonizing of people because it, so much time is removed, like, Everyone knows what side of history we should be on. Like, you don't need to tip it that much in the movie. Like, we're already stacking the deck in that direction. Well, that, that's that's kind of why I've been saying, though. Like, I don't think it's, like, I don't think it's technically going for a war. Like, it's, it is supposed to have, I, in a way, I feel like it's the much higher budget and casted version of, like, Love, Simon, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for sure. like yeah. w- women's rights, like yep. it, it's Joanna it, compared it to Love Simon. Oh, did when you we really? were talking, actually, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it, it feels like it's it's that sort of thing where we're all supposed to like go like, uh huh, yep, <laughs> like every five Amen. minutes in the film. Yeah, like it's it's supposed to be that sort of communal experience of we're mm. all watching this from 
the right side of history and aren't we all enjoying this sort of like getting to laugh at how ridiculous this is like there there's the um there's the uh, there's one of the one of the scenes in the film where she's just listing laws that prevented women from doing things and it's like yeah when you read all 250 of them out loud it sounds dumb as fuck this whole film is about like Everything was dumb as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that it – I don't think it's technically aiming for more than that. Mm-hmm. It's just aiming to be a nice Saturday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Like, I, I agree. And I can't – that's the thing is, like, I'm criticizing the form of it, but it does its form totally fine. Like, yeah, it yeah. does what it wanted to do. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, why did it rub me this way and what could it have done to like make me a little bit more on board for it i i I, like i I think the actors are all good right i think everyone does a pretty good job with what they're given i will say too i chuckled when i saw kathy bates name at the beginning of the film she's fucking great in this movie yeah i loved her character yeah and i don't just see oh this is kathy bates playing dress up like i feel like she fits in in this movie yeah yeah she was great like i i like she arrived i was like okay finally i saw her name like an hour ago and then i would just really i was enjoying her moments there mm-hmm. and it was it was it was cool i uh, even though i think her character is used for very tropey reasons uh, the daughter character kaylee spaney who was in bad times at el royale too if you recognize her um <laughs> oh, shit. i i think she does a good job with that role even though i think the daughter character is meant to just be such a this is the youth today you know look at how liberated she is and the movie can't even decide like if she is like smart about legal things or not, because I, there's just weird, there's weird things in this movie where she's like just the very tropey character, but I think she elevates it. Like I believe her in this family. I believe her being this independent person. You kind of believe that Ruth would have made a daughter like that, right? Who was kind of rebelling against her mother's yeah. intellectualism with a different sort of activism. Where that conversation obviously has parallels today. Um, well, I, I think too that there there is a transition that that character goes through that I thought did a disservice to the like showing the consequence of the decisions that uh, Ruth's character had, mm-hmm. had been doing like there is there's initially some sort of sense that like because she's so focused on uplifting women it she has left this, this one woman one. behind and there is something interesting and compelling about that dynamic about how her daughter is, is I don't I don't want to say her daughter hates her, but like they don't have a very strong relationship mm-hmm. because the daughter's just upset upset with her existence mm-hmm. and disagrees with what she fundamentally is doing with her entire life. And somewhere in the time jumps, she they're just best friends yeah, exactly. suddenly. They're BFFs. And, and maybe it's that cab situation. Well, here's the thing in the in the timeline of the movie, so if I ignore like the actual time jumps and just look at runtime, yeah, that so that moment, there's a moment where we see the strife between Ruth and her daughter, which could be the flaw moment of this movie, right? This could be where you paint, you know, a more interesting portrait. Like, tell me something bad about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Tell me something about what her quest left behind. What are the casualties? And it starts to show that, and it looks compelling. And then Army Hammer swoops in and says. Let me explain to you why your mother is actually <laughs> doing a really good thing here. Yeah. And she looks at her mother or she like turns at least metaphorically and suddenly all is forgiven. And like that's the way the movie plays to me is like yeah. after that moment we never have that problem anymore. Now Ruth is good, everybody's good, everybody has fallen in line. And it it it, it just feels um 
Right. I, I, I don't want to use too negative a word. It's not like it's cowardly. It's it's like timid. Like it 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 doesn't it doesn't have the guts to like show me something negative, right? Yeah. And maybe it would be different if this movie were made when Ruth Bader Ginsburg were not alive anymore, right? Maybe then the movie would feel more empowered to like play a bit with her character and show us like pros and cons of everyone. Yeah. Or if it wasn't written by her nephew. Yeah, exactly. Being written <laughs> by the nephew doesn't doesn't help that. But those are just the little things. But like, if it had taken a risk there, yeah. I would have appreciated it more. On the other hand, uh, like Justin Thoreau's character being the the leader of uh, the ACLU, I thought he is a more like interesting, compelling character. He is one of the few people who gets to live in the middle ground in this movie, where ACLU is ostensibly organization that was fighting for our civil liberties on all fronts, and it was at the forefront of these battles. And this guy is actually, like, very much a pragmatist. And the pragmatism gets in the way of him being on the right side of history sometimes. Yeah. Like, he thinks certain battles are more important than others. He thinks, why fight an unwinnable one? He puts Ruth down too much. He doesn't believe in her cause the way that he should. And yet he is not an enemy either. He's celebrating with us at the end, too. And I think he is, like, the one example of a character that traces the kind of line that I think... Even if you couldn't make RBG trace it, like at least make more secondary characters be like that. And yeah, that that's what I would have wanted to see. Yeah, I I, yeah, I agree, but I I enjoyed his character in general. Um, but yeah, I I I just thought this isn't a film that that makes you think deeply. It just kind of makes you like it. it this is the film equivalent of watching those old Apple ads with like Justin Long and, <laughs> and John Hodgman, where you're like, "Yeah, spreadsheets are dumb." <laughs> See, I was a Mac user when those came out. Oh, yeah. sorry, I was a Windows user. Oh, when gotcha, those came gotcha. Out. <laughs> but yeah. John Hodgman for life. Uh. I, I will say it was nice to see Army Hammer and Jack Rayner reunited since Free Fire. See them in the same movie again. Jack Rayner played the the enemy lawyer who was trying to take yeah. Ruth down. Yeah, that was fun. In general, it was a good cast. Like I'm kind of surprised at how all star a cast they managed to yeah. get for this movie, given that it, like you said, it. I don't know if it's awards baity or not. It is like it's in the category of quote prestige drama, but it. You're right. It, it is more of a crowd pleaser than that, and it's not aiming for as high like criticy things. So, I don't know. It's fun. It's fine. I think the highest thing it was aiming for is basically what it got, which getting getting awarded at something like San Francisco, this is an important movie this year award, right? Like, yeah. that, that's kind of the message-heavy thing. I do want to say, can we spoil the very ending of this movie? Is that okay for us to spoil? I do like the ending shot of yeah, this Yeah, the film? ending shot of this movie. I mean, sure. It, how, did, how did you feel? Did you like it? Did you not like it? The movie pulls the snow in, basically. <laughs> and I was not a fan. I did for a second go, are they CGing her head on top of Felicity Jones's body? Or are those Ruth Bader Ginsburg's legs? Either way, I feel confusing things. I just, I'm just giving my honest to God. <laughs> I feel so. In the Q and A, he talked about. Um, they asked how they got that closing shot, how they got Ruth Bader Ginsburg yeah. to agree to be in the movie, um, and the story was basically. He said he would ask his aunt if she was willing to do this, 
but fair warning, if you film it, it had better actually be the closing shot of the movie. And I kind of feel like they filmed it and it's the closing shot and they looked in the editing room and were like, should this be how we ended? It's a little much. And then they had like a contract that was like, nope, no, so, we can't change it. I mean, I thought that was sort of like a joke, like not an actual stipulation. But for me, what bugged me was the fact that the outfit changed. I feel like it would be more impactful if the because it was the same color outfit. Yeah, it was trying, but to it be was the a same. different outfit, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that was because like <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg didn't like the outfit she they had fixed. <laughs> She's like, I'm gonna wear my own shit. Deal with it. Um, but yeah, I definitely thought it was. Uh, I mean, it's fine. It definitely is a Snowden moment. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> to me, it was just like the cheese on top that I yeah, didn't yeah. need. I didn't even think the movie was going to be ending then. I thought, like, we were going to go on and see, like, a few more cases or something. Yeah, it was a montage of her, like, oh, a montage of her arguing case after case after case and then getting older. And then we arrive at present day. Yeah. Yeah. Noise. (laughs) See, that's what it would be if it were cut differently. (laughs) Oh, well. Whatever. Anyways. Um... I think we probably have said enough about it as we can. That mm-hmm. sentence was not English, but uh, should we get to our verdicts? Sure. We did not make it before midnight, by the way. Yeah, it is 12.01 right now. <laughs> um, so going to our verdicts, Stephen Miller, if you're going to have to say must-see, recommend with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or must-avoid, what would you say? And don't forget, you don't want to come across. <laughs> God, I don't know. I don't know. Just kidding. I just, just, just be honest. No, I know, I know. It's just like sometimes I grade on the curve of the format, right? Yeah. Like there are things like Beale Street that I knock down just because I'm like, hey, I like Barry Jenkins. I think he can do better. There are things that I'm like pleasantly surprised and I bump them up. Should I fault this movie for being like a sickly sweet inspirational movie when that's exactly what the trailer sold me and it's exactly what it was made to do and it does it just fine? I, I don't know. I don't I'm I'm going to say rental, I guess. I think, here's the thing. I think you can make an inspirational story and still make it more compelling than this. I think Theory of Everything was a more compelling version of this story. I will stand by that. I think the characters are way more nuanced than that than they are here. I also think, you know, for message movies, like, there are other messages that maybe would be more impactful today than being yet another thing glorifying Ruth Bader Ginsburg because of having been liberal in the 60s, you know, like... There are other fights we've had. There are other things still ongoing. There's just, like, something about, like, this feels like a white woman patting themselves on the back movie. And, like, (laughs) just this year that, like, isn't rubbing me 100% the right way. But it is a nice liberal Doritos ground up into (laughs) hot fudge. (laughs) Mixed (laughs) Mixed in a Marty recipe that everybody will feel bloated and content about as they wait for the 2020 election. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I mean, there there are... I, I think I enjoyed it more than you, Stephen, but I also think you're accurate with your uh, representation of where this this sort of fits on scale. Um, I'm going to give it a wait for rental also. Um, wait for rental, but you will enjoy it. Like, I, I, think it, I think it's a totally fine film. The performances are great. Uh, Army Hammer is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed the ride. 
Um, but it's also not going to sit with me longer than the end of the recording of this episode. And when Much I... like the burritos we <laughs> ate at the beginning of this four-hour recording session. <laughs> In between episodes past. <laughs> I knew this would happen, Chris. I knew we'd start to lose it at the end. <sighs> All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for this episode of the Spoiler Warning Podcast, the last of our sort of marathon recording session. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to... On the Basis of Sex, which, given the film doesn't come out for a month, may not be available at this time, but we'll figure out, uh, it'll be This Is My Fight Song or whatever. In the name of love, I'm telling you. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, that is the review, and uh, we will see you next week with potential reviews of uh, Widows. um, Creed 2. Creed 2, the whatever the new Harry Potter film's called. Fantastic Beasts and why to keep supporting Johnny Depp. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the new Coen Brothers film. Yeah, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, and we'll need to throw a fifth one in there just to keep When our... does the Van Gogh thing come out? I think it's the week after that, okay. unfortunately. Um, but we can just cut our own ear off. And you, can, then... you can watch Thunder Road on iTunes. I already did oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was the thing that I wasn't supposed to watch this week as well. Yep. Um... But yeah, that's it for now. Um, Thank you all for listening, and we will see you uh, next time.